Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Elwood City Limits went away, then it came back. Elwood City Limits, Arthur, Season 3. There's a lot of things I expected when we start to record, Will, but karaoke is not one of them. (laughs) And I'm really impressed. Thank you. I mean, hey, this is a special occasion, and I've just got a song in my heart. We're here. Uh, in the morning, and it's time to get down to it. I, I was I was almost a little afraid that we would have to uh, postpone uh, season three talks for maybe another week, depending on our schedules. We're busy. We're busy guys these days, but thankfully, that's not the case. Uh, welcome, everybody. It is season three of Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. My name is Will Young. Uh, joining me is my co-host Lucas Mancini. Hello, out there in Radio World. Uh, so, uh, Lucas, in this episode, I'm going to be leaning on you a little bit uh, for for a, for a couple of things, and I wanted to get that started right here before we get into the episode itself, which we have been waiting to talk about for a very long time. Uh, there's been something recently in the world of sports that, believe it or not, is Arthur related, and you you are a bit more tuned in to the NBA than I am actually, actually oh. more, than, more than a bit more. Uh, I keep, I've, I've been seeing, I've been getting news alerts about Arthur and uh, it turned, it seems that there's a few NBA teams who have been uh, doing the old Arthur memes. Am I right about that? Yeah. So, and I wish I could give you some more specifics about this because this is something that I kind of saw out my periphery. Uh, this is definitely like a Twitter thing. But uh, people have been associating the Arthur fist meme with LeBron. Mm. I'm not sure if this is like has to do with the feud LeBron's been having with the Knicks after he called himself the King of New York, and Ernest Cantor like challenged him on the court, and and then he was posting pictures about uh, like he's on the Knicks court and he'll be back. Anyway, uh, LeBron's been feuding with the whole New York area. Uh, and I'm not sure if the uh, Arthur Fist the, uh, meme has something to do with that, but I know it's been associated with King James himself. Um, <laughs> it's, it's uh, Beyond that, I'll tell you this much. It's been an exciting NBA season. The Knicks beat the Raptors last night, which was crazy. Oh, yeah? Uh, and the reason I can tell you that, even though I don't have cable, is because I was actually at a bar last night because I... Again, art imitates life. I had a friend come back who was gone for a year. Wow. Uh, just yesterday. So it's crazy that we're watching this episode today. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. And uh, it just in line with that, uh, with the kind of Arthur basketball synchronicity, I actually have a uh, a news item here that you may find very interesting. It was posted yesterday. Uh, so LeBron James using the angry Arthur meme on right. Instagram. And it turns out one of the producers of Arthur, Carol Greenwald, has reached out to LeBron James. She'd love to have him guest star on a new episode of Arthur. Oh, my gosh. I know we're watching these in, like, 
sequential order, but we would have to maybe do a commentary or do something special and watch that episode because that would be crazy. Yeah, like an emergency broadcast kind of thing. <sighs> what would what animal do you think LeBron would be? A, a, like a giraffe? What's the tallest animal? <laughs> uh, I, I, I feel like they would probably just give him the aardvark ears and call it a day. He's too big to be an aardvark, though. He's huge. Oh, man. What animal would be the best at basketball? Uh, ooh, okay. Um, like a kangaroo? Oh, yeah, dude. Kangaroo. Be- <laughs> but then who would be in his pouch? Um, It would be... Uh, I would say Kyrie Irving, but he plays for the Celtics now. Uh, I don't know who would be in LeBron's pouch. Well, um, some other Cavaliers player, I guess. J.R. Smith? <laughs> well, we'll have to find out if and when... Uh... <laughs> LeBron James is a kangaroo on Arthur. Well, there you go. Something to look forward to, perhaps, for an upcoming season. Before we get into uh, the episode itself, okay, one one more thing. Just want to make sure that we have all our bases covered because we got a, a couple of emails because it's been a little it's been a little bit since we've uh, done a an uh, I don't, on a, an official episode a a a timeline episode of ECL. Uh, so we did. That's get... right. If if Gannon wins, then you know we record guest episodes and commentaries. And if Gannon loses, this is the episode you hear. It's all in the High Rule Historia. Look it up. <laughs> uh, so we got a couple of emails at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail dot com. They're very short, uh, and both of them are from Mandy. Uh, Mandy had a couple things to say in the last couple of weeks. First off, she wanted to note this, and I found that this was... I can't believe I didn't think of this myself. Uh, She says, So Sue Ellen is a black belt at eight years old. If she was the fastest learner in the world of martial arts, she would have to be training at age one, assuming she could even understand English, so that by the time she's 20, she would be a beast. Just wanted to point that out. Uh, I, that is very cool. Sue Ellen is the BJ Penn of the Arthur universe. <laughs> uh, I think BJ Penn became a black belt in jujitsu in like two years or four years or something crazy. Okay. He like won the jujitsu worlds when he was like 21 or something insane. So, uh, uh, Sue Ellen, a young theme, phenom in the martial arts. And speaking of that, uh, I, you know, I completely forgot to ask you, we recorded, uh, our special holiday commentary recently. I totally forgot to uh, ask you about uh, GSP. Oh my, well, this would be a whole other podcast entirely, Will. There's videos of me somewhere on Snapchat screaming my head off with joy uh, at the GOAT, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Canadian hero GSP coming back and dominating uh, our new middleweight champion of the world, Canadian hero GSP. Sorry, all our American listeners, but the greatest fighter alive, GSP, is Canadian. We have to claim him. So, <laughs> And uh, one more email here from Mandy. She actually has two questions. Uh, why does uh, everyone in Arthur never age past three? Not... Past three, like like grade three, I assume? Grade, grade three. Must be third grade. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, we see them age in flashbacks and flash forwards all the time. Like when Arthur's wearing his like, car salesman outfit, and he's like, I'm an adult. Uh, so I would to assume they are going to age eventually. But it's that Calvin and Hobbes kind of thing where it's like, oh, they got to stay the same age as the intended audience. It's... One of those cartoon things it's best not to think about too much. Yeah. I wonder, though, like, 
There should be a cartoon that's like uh, Boy Meets World. I know this would be difficult because you'd have to, like, come up with new character models every season. But, like, in Boy Meets World, he gets, like, older as the actor gets older, right? Or yeah. the movie Boyhood, which I don't even like that much, but it's an interesting concept. I wonder if they made a cartoon like that where the cartoon characters aged as the show goes on. That'd probably be really resource-intensive. I remember I was always impressed by the show. Uh, do you remember The Weekenders? Yes. In The Weekenders, the characters would have different outfits that they would wear. So, like, each character had, like, three or four outfits they'd cycle through. And I always thought that was really cool and realistic because in real life, unlike cartoons, people don't wear the same thing every day. Unless you're, like, the guy from The Fly who had one outfit over and over and over again. Or, like, Steve Jobs. Um, but if you did a show where, like, a character got older as the show went on, I think that'd be really neat. Man, I used to love The Weekenders. That was one of my favorite shows when it was on. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I feel like that's one of those shows where... Here's a fun fact about The Weekenders, quick aside... Do you know what the last episode of The Weekenders is? I looked this up on IMDb before, and you're going to be pretty surprised. I don't I think, think I don't think so. Uh, the last episode is the episode where uh, oh, what's the main character's name? Tino. Tommy. Ta- Tino Tonatini. T- Tino. Uh, Tino Tonatini. Tino Tonatini meets his dad. Okay. It's the one where him and his dad go up in the hot air balloon together. That's like the last episode of The Weekenders. Wow. Series finale. No, I never made it that far. I guess. Um, and, uh, Mandy also, uh, would, would you think about asking Jordan Taylor to be on the podcast again? Well, we'd love to have him back on maybe someday if we can find something to talk about. Stay tuned, true believers. And just wanted to bring up this one fact that we got through a Tumblr ask from Kevlar Ninja. Fun fact for the podcast, Arthur. He's a ninja that, uh, blunt force trauma will not work on. Because he's wearing Kevlar. Twice as effective. Uh, Arthur is currently, last I checked anyway, the second longest running animated program in the U.S. after The Simpsons, having beaten out former second place holder King of the Hill after that show ended its run a few years back. Wow, I had no idea. I wonder how old... mm, South Park must be pretty close to Arthur, huh? Because that started in the early 90s or mid 90s? I want to say that was like late 90s. Let me just do some Google foo here. The the movie was like 99, 98, and that was like after two or three seasons it happened. True. So I feel like Arthur and and South Park must be pretty close, which is funny because they could be more different. South Park is uh, 1997, and I believe Arthur was 1996. Oh, wow. Neck and neck. Interesting. Mm. That's fun. I'd never even figured that or considered that. Yeah, so if they catch Arthur slipping, then they may be in first place. Mm. Or second place, I guess it is. Okay. No more beating around the bush. But thank you, everybody, for the Tumblr asks and for the emails. We really appreciate it. Great to hear from you. Let's get to it. It's Arthur Season 3, and what better way to start it off than with Buster's back. Buster's back, Lucas. Buster's back. It's like he never left. The, again, it's uncanny that we're watching this episode. A friend of mine uh, moved to Vancouver for a year because his girlfriend was going to school there. Uh, I, I went up to Vancouver to visit him earlier in the year, but I haven't seen him since. And so uh, a lot of the things that happened in this episode were all too real. It's kind of crazy. Like, uh, I couldn't watch this episode at a more perfect time, but also I've just been excited for these two episodes since we started this podcast, just because I remembered them from when I was little. Buster's back, back again. Buster's <laughs> back, tell a friend. Uh, so Buster's coming back. I mean, hey, uh, I, I was brought right back to it. It's funny how, I mean, 
you know, life kind of moves in cycles sometimes. Uh, I was really excited to do this episode. I'm excited to have Buster back as a main character. And when I was a kid, I remember that it took it felt like it took a long time for them to get to season three. So when I finally saw the episode where Buster came back, I would have been about maybe eight or nine years old. I was so excited. It's one of the most excited I've ever been uh, to, oh to watch TV. Because because it's Buster and he's back and Buster was my favorite they like, character. See, I'm a little bit younger than you, so I feel like I've only watched Arthur in syndication. Um, did they have like pre-roll ads that's like Buster's coming back, uh, like like they were advertising that this is indeed the episode where Buster will return, or were you like excited with re- surprise? Like, were you hotly anticipating the return of Buster? I mean, it's I, I if there were any ads like that, I don't remember. But I think just like I had seen the first two seasons episodes so many times that when I saw uh. this opening where it starts at a like a, a space command center that um, like a NASA type of place that I was like, oh, this is new. What is this? And then pretty quickly they get to the fact that it's Buster, and I was like, oh, Buster's back. <laughs> so you mentioned the space opening, yes. Uh, as a kid, this always really scared me. Oh, like yeah. Bec- you know what? Yeah, I, I think we've we've talked about this on the podcast before. But when I was a kid, the thing that would always scare me about cartoons is like people turning into things, mm-hmm. a la the Spider-Man '90s show where he turns into Venom. That like scared the crap out of me when I was a little kid. What about when he turned into Man Spider? That would have been or even worse. That too. That too. That too. That was. I remember that really scared me. Uh, a very famous one that a lot of people have shared is uh, in Superman three, when the lady turns into a robot. Oh, that scared man. me as well. That, that's really that, really very that's, frightening. That's still really messed up. Like that's. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's almost it's it, in a in a strange way. Like it's not like gruesome or anything, but it is kind of like hard to watch and like hard to think about. For a well, long she's time. like screaming the whole time. It's like yeah. very messed up. Yeah. Uh, though if you go back and look at it now, it's it's a little tamer in uh, uh, retrospect. Oh, big time. But big time. At the time, it was pretty scary. But anyway, so Buster uh, was on a space mission to Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this because I think someone asked. I think it's Arthur says, "How was Jupiter?" He says it was gaseous. Yeah. Um, but then when he comes out of the sh- uh, the space shuttle. He starts mutating from the is it gamma rays? Uh, cosmic rays. Cosmic rays. So as a kid, I just thought he was like mutating and it was scary. I didn't realize until today that this is like a Fantastic Four slash Super Scroll reference. Yeah, it's, it's... because he did like much like the Super Scroll, he's got like all four powers of the Fantastic Four. So he's got Mister Fantastic stretchy arms and the Human Torch's fiery foot and <laughs> uh, the things are. Uh, and I, I guess I don't know what he's got from Susan. Does one of his feet turn invisible uh, or something? No, his head kind of turns transparent. Oh. Uh, well, that doesn't do anyone any good. Not at all. Um, I, not- I noticed when when, the, you, it's, it, when you show, like, Arthur in the command center there, uh, if you look to the top right, uh, Buster is right behind him. And it's probably just someone <laughs> that they use Buster's character model with, but it just looks like Buster is both on the space shuttle from Jupiter and then also right behind Arthur looking directly at the camera. Those are some pretty intense cosmic rays. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, of course, I think I might have even known this back when I was a kid of, like, the whole joke of the Fantastic Four, but the idea is that Buster's changed uh, when he went away, and now he's coming back, and I don't think things are going to be just like old times, as Arthur wants them to be. Um, 
It turns out when we get into the actual episode, this is a dream that Arthur had as he's going down to eat some bio bits. The Bionic Bunny cereal. Maybe workshop the name a little bit. Bio bits. Ugh. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it just kind of... The only cereal made from biological waste. The only cereal made with radical animal husbandry. Exactly. Uh, so, Arthur... Silly rabbit. Bio bits are for kids. <laughs> uh, so, Arthur is very uh, troubled by this dream you know, about uh, Buster. And there's no indication at this point that he will be coming back. He gets that phone call in a second. DW asks, who's Bumpster? And that's kind of her thing for this episode. She's a lot more antagonistic than we've seen her in previous episodes. Like, she gets Buster's name wrong. She's kind of dogging on Arthur for a lot of this episode. Yeah, her role in the this episode is essentially to seed the... to sow the seeds of doubt in Arthur's mind. Uh, and so that's pretty much all she does. Uh, and w- meanwhile, Dad is at the stove trying to crack the secret of fried liver paste. Oh, I don't know how you that's... fry a paste, but I mean, hey, I'm not I'm not a cook, so uh, I wouldn't even dare to try. Uh, Arthur answers the phone, and it's actually it turns out to be Buster's mother. And this is this is a fan, this is a great reaction. I think I remember like imitating this when I was a kid, because all you see is Arthur talking on the phone. And him responding to someone saying things. So he just goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's pretty cute. Uh, and I was trying to remember if, if there was something when I was a kid that I was this excited for. Or, I mean, hey, something I've been this excited for in my entire life. Arthur is <laughs> like top five uh, excited here. I think maybe like the release of Smash Brothers Brawl on the Wii. <laughs> I was checking that Smash Dojo every weekday. You know I was excited for that. Uh, but it's funny because like I feel like this whole part where uh, Buster starts exclaiming that Buster's coming home. Uh, excuse me, Arthur starts explaining exclaiming that Buster's coming home, and he's sort of running around town with excitement. Uh, I would like it wouldn't have been as effective again if my friend hadn't come home yesterday because I was feeling the same like maybe not the same level of excitement but I was literally like oh my goodness like the boys are back in town like yeah I was very very excited uh similarly to Arthur and so like his joy in this the beginning of this episode is just kind of infectious and palatable like you feel like the the voice actor really sells how happy arthur is and like even uh arthur's family exclaims like i think dw says uh or or arthur's family's like oh why is why is arthur so excited and dw's like buster must be bringing him some dessert which is kind of a funny bird as well yeah they, they even get the reaction of them turning around and her being like what um i mean yeah i've actually had that that moment myself of like when all of my friends are going to be like in the same place and i'm super excited so it reminded me of that but the intensity of arthur's reaction is more like when i got my nintendo 64 for christmas (laughs) were you the kid in the famous you know you know viral video like that was my exact reaction like it's it's weird how like one-to-one that was Nintendo 64! Speaking of Smash Dojo, by the way, uh, I I was following those updates when I was in high school myself. How nuts was it when Sonic turned up in Super Smash Bros. Brawl? It's funny, because you say you were in high school. Sometimes I forget how different we are in age, because I was in, like, grade 6 of elementary school when the Smash Dojo was going up. But I know, like... That was like my uh, afternoon routine. You get home from school, 4.30, 
first website I'm logging on to is the Smash Dojo. <laughs> it's like some days it was like kind of an okay update, like oh the sticky bombs in this game, and then some days it was something crazy, like oh Sonic's in this game. Yeah, when, uh, yeah, when me and my I was a big, big fan of the Smash Dojo, my favorite video game, like official video game website of all time when i w- i remember that day when sonic came out in in or when sonic was announced in brawl and my buddy and i were watching it at his place for lunch like i think it's like a normal trailer if you go back on youtube you might be able to find it then sonic comes in and we're like whoa this is crazy <laughs> and then and then like they had uh one of the sonic songs from like sonic adventure 2 in the background and we're just like what is that song that song's amazing what is that song and i'm like i have to go back to school and then on the way out was, my buddy I, I my can buddy, only assume it was live and learn it was it was live and learn and my buddy like calls out the window he's like the song's called live and learn and I'm oh like, that's funny <laughs> we were really excited that's it that song's awesome uh so yes arthur is going around town uh, proclaiming, he's heralding Buster's return. Buster's coming home, and he like passes by everybody doing things like Brain playing video games, Francine playing baseball. He even breaks into Muffy's pool with a drawing that somehow is able to uh, uh, stay in constitution uh, in the water. Buster's coming home. This this reminded me of Not Penny's boat from <laughs> uh, uh, Lost. <laughs> Oh, if I could edit that, like I wish I, I wish I could do Photoshop because I would just take take I would just put that on Arthur's piece of paper, <laughs> and that would be the new cover photo for uh, Elwood City Limits. Hey, if anybody wants to do that, please do, and we will make that the new cover photo. I guarantee. Yeah, again, beyond excited. I like how uh, Arthur's mom has to stock up on groceries for Buster's impending return because, as Arthur says, Buster eats a lot. <laughs> There's like a new, there's like a whole turkey in the freezer. There's like a bunch of frozen vegetables, and I thought that was funny. In fact, speaking of turkey, happy American Thanksgiving to all our American listeners. I almost forgot. That's right. Uh, Happy American Thanksgiving, everybody. We had ours about a month ago, but uh, hope that you uh, have some good holidays ahead of you before we get into the real meat of the holiday season. Will, did you know that Americans take like a week off for Thanksgiving? Do they? Yeah, they get, like, a week off. It's crazy. Like, they, they get, like, the whole week off. Like, we get one day off for Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah, really? But Americans, because they, the, they get, like, the Thursday off and the Wednesday off, and they get the Friday off, and I guess everybody just takes the Tuesday off or something. Like, they get the whole week. <laughs> Arthur is getting things ready, like, their favorite, their favorite game that they love to play. And DW is kind of – this is where, again, like you said, she's really sowing the seeds of doubt. She, You know, her main thing is, like, do you really think Buster's going to want to uh, play checkers with you, which is the game that Arthur brings out because he's been all around the world and you've just been here in your room. Uh, she has, she also has uh, Arthur meme alert here. Definitely seen DW kind of side eyeing Arthur, like kind of oh. like when she's at the door and she kind of lowers her eyes. I've definitely seen that in other contexts before. I think I've seen that as like somebody's like Twitter profile picture. <laughs> Sick. Uh, yeah, so Arthur, oh, th- this, so Arthur, at this point, Arthur's just trying to tune her out, and so he starts humming really loudly, and Ooh, I, this was annoying. I hate the sound of humming, man. This was a bit too much. <laughs> uh, but, but what she says does kind of get to him a little bit, so he starts kind of asking his friends, and this is kind of the next couple of minutes of the episode where he goes to each of his friends in turn, 
and asks if uh, if you think Buster will be different. In fact, his quote to Francine is, do you think Buster might not want to be friends with me anymore because I'm not as exciting as Wisconsin? Which is funny. There's like a couple good Wisconsin burns in this episode. <laughs> That's one of them. Uh, but I thought it's interesting, like... This sort of anxiety, the fact that you're not as traveled or uh, as wet, like, as seen the world or other cultures as much as someone else, mm. and so you think they'll find you boring, is a very, like, adult concept. Uh, it sounds like a plot out of, like, a rom-com or something, like, oh, this person has never left Wisconsin, and this person's been all around the world. Uh, how could they get along? Like, it, I thought it was really interesting that this episode decided to touch upon this very specific anxiety because I'm not sure if it's necessarily something uh, that kids could relate to all that much. Like, how many kids have a friend who've been all around the world? So I don't don't think that's a negative thing. I think it's really interesting Mm. that they're trying to tackle this subject in this way because they do it in a very adult manner. Like, oh, am I not as exciting... Uh, as traveling around the world for my friend. I mean, it's something that I think about a lot of times, too. I I know a lot of people who are traveling around the world or live elsewhere in the world. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty much a homebody. The most I've moved is an hour outside of my hometown. So sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm not worldly enough like other people. So you're right. I did relate to that. Uh, so there's a- there's, a, there's a, a montage later on in this episode where it sort of shows the dichotomy between how Buster spent yeah. his summer and Arthur spent his summer. And it's like, uh, it's how I feel when I look at people who travel all the time's Instagram accounts. That's what I said too, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, though, I, you know, I've done some traveling myself. I would necessarily call myself a homebody. But some people, it just seems like they're always on the go. Mm-hmm. And so when you got that FOMO, uh, that's that's a really good example of it. FOMO, that's right. Uh, I, 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 will, I will skip to that part just for a second because there's a great line in there like like he said it's a montage of like Buster doing something amazing Arthur doing something really mundane and the first one is like Buster taking pictures of like a Grecian temple and Arthur's back at home watching TV and he just says the origin of Bionic Bunny now I've seen it an even hundred times Um, there is another kind of montage that we get and it's while Arthur is talking to his friends and he's imagining what Buster might be like now that he's traveled the world. And, uh, and so we get kind of different, I mean, different stereotypes basically of cultures, except, except with Buster. Now these kind of, your mileage may vary on them for sure, but I, yeah, some of these haven't aged so well. I do want to say before we get into the, uh, Mike Tyson's punch out esque racist, (laughs) uh, uh, montage. There's a part where, uh, Arthur's talking to Prudella and like sharing his anxieties about like, he talks to all of his friends about how Arthur's going to be different. Uh, Buster's going to be different. Uh, and this is probably my favorite Prudella moment of all time. I've had my issues with the Prudella character before, but this finally let me know that the writers are in on the joke because Prudella goes, you have to look at this logically. Let's check your horoscope, (laughs) which I thought was hilarious. And then there's another moment where uh, they check Arthur's horoscope and it's like, you will switch jobs. And Arthur's like, I don't have a job. That's 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 a good point. I actually missed that first line. So yeah, maybe maybe this is a bit of a turnaround for her. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, okay, so the various uh, like you said, punch out esque stereotypes. The first one is absolutely one of those. It's it's Buster dressed as kind of like, he looks kind of like a Scotland Yard inspector. He's got like the very proper. Um, 
kind of coach. He's got the British hat. He's got an umbrella, and he t- looks a bit like Marty Skrull. Oh, good pull. And uh, he and he just says pip pip tally ho crumpets. I'm like, yeah, that's that's what they that's what they say. That's what. They mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Uh, then then he is Italian, and of course he's driving a Lamborghini in some kind of as, street as race. Someone of Ital- as someone as Italian descent myself, I'm glad this is the stereotype <laughs> they went with. Yeah. Is that all Italians drive sports cars? What does he say? He's like Buongiorno, oh, Arturo. Yeah, Arrivederci, <laughs> <Apparently>, Arturo. <laughs> Yeah, it, and he zooms off. Yeah, it could it could have been like the Vinnie Caravella Super Mario kind of uh, yeah. Italian stereotype. So yeah, maybe we dodged a bullet there. Uh, in fact, we see him once briefly as Japanese, which I think maybe is the one that ages the least gracefully. Although I will say, shout out to the writing team for getting a reference to Osamu Tezuka in yeah. uh, in his speech. There, he essentially says. Uh, uh, I and I've seen I've seen this translated before. He Os- says, uh, Osamu uh, Tezuka is the god of manga. Yeah, he says uh, Osamu Tezuka sa wa manga no kamasama desu, which and I apologize for if I butchered the pronunciation of that, but it, it does translate to Osamu Tezuka is the god of manga, writer of Astro Boy, yeah. and oh, what's the Pluto one called? The the oh jeez, the what? Sorry, there's a really there's a really good other one that's like a uh, it, it takes place in the Astro Boy universe. It's called something Pluto uh, that I highly recommend. I've I can't say I've ever heard of it. I believe he also did uh, uh, Metropolis as well. I think that was him. The anim- the animated movie. Uh, yeah, and so that one's. And I mean the way the way that Buster's dressed is a little bit yeah. Uh, it's less so the way he well the way he's dressed like that's no worse than something in Mario Odyssey but they kind of like <laughs> change the way his face looks yeah. and it's like ooh ooh could have done without that yeah they, at least they don't stick around it for long uh, then he's like a cowboy and he comes in on what looks to be a donkey more than a horse and he and he kind of I like I like the joke here where he has to put the parking brake on the horse and it just kind of slants to the side. <laughs> Yeah, it's still like a bike for some reason. There's handlebars coming out of the saddle. And this one I didn't understand. Uh, there's one where he comes in, he's like in a horse riding uniform, and he's talking in a Scottish accent, which, by the way, uh, Buster's voice actor Danny Brochu does a pretty good job of uh, most of these accents, I have to say. That that would probably be pretty tricky, even for just a line. And he and he goes, and he's riding on an elephant for some reason, and he just says to Arthur, no time for checkers. We're training for the Grand Nationals. And I was and I felt like that went completely over my head. Yeah, this has to be a reference to something. Yeah, but like I... Operation Dumbo Drop or some sort of <laughs> '90s movie that I I, I can't remember. <laughs> Operation Dumbo Drop. All right, is, uh, is that what that movie is called? It, that Robin yeah, Williams movie? Yes, you're absolutely right. But I've just not thought about that movie in a very very long time. <laughs> uh, it's one of those movies like Joe versus the Volcano, where it's like, oh yeah, that was a movie. <laughs> Uh, at this point, Arthur is very concerned about this whole, like, not seeming as worldly as Buster, so he decides to do as much research as he can before Buster's, uh, plane comes in. He goes to the library and gets a bunch of books, uh, and he fans them out in, like, a circle around his bed so that he can read a little bit each time, and it's, it's basically the, um, the 90s version of opening 20 tabs on Wikipedia. 
when he uh, is getting all the books from the library, he's like, I need a book on this. I need a book on this. And he's like, and I need a book on Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, so he studies as hard as he can, but then it's it's time's up, and he's just got to wait for Buster's call. Uh, at this point, he asks like his parents if they if Buster's called. They say no, and they're watching the what looks to be, I guess, the World Knitting Championships on TV. That's right. And shout out to the World Knitting Championships for giving a shout out to my favorite country, Canada, home of the free. Uh, because one of the entrants at the World Championships uh, has won the All Canada Knitting Finals. So, whichever uh, uh, knitter was that. Uh, I'm rooting for them. I think that might have been the old woman on the left. Ooh, so she was getting ahead because the other guy stabbed yeah. himself, which could uh, end up docking him major points. Yeah, I thought that was funny. They must have had fun recording that part. Arthur's basically waiting by the phone with Pal and then th- feels that Buster isn't going to call because he's just decided that because he's been around the world, he's too good for Arthur. Uh, you know, I got to say, I, I, again, kind of... I understand Arthur's anxiety. I think it's a little blown out of proportion, but definitely like feeling like when your friend returns and they've had all these experiences and just like, well, they're not going to want to hang out with me. And, you know, kind of resigning himself to that. It's a little sad. Uh, (laughs) Arthur has this like premonition of uh, uh, Buster playing checkers with him and he's dressed and talks like he's a vampire in an Anne Rice novel. (laughs) Like (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to say Shakespearean, but I like yours better. (laughs) <laughs> well like like he's very like brad pitt in interview with a vampire like checkers i've been around the whole wide world it's the kind of thing where you can't tell if he's british or if he has one of those accents like fraser and niles where it's like it's american but it's very like high, <laughs> high society you know what i mean so i'm like fraser and niles is a very good pull uh, oh, but, man. but it was it's, it's again a great line reading from danny brochu of just like i i will not fritter away my time with such triviality he just needs like an oh kind of High society laugh. It was funny. Arthur starts to get re- like starts to get mad, frustrated about this, and starts taking down Buster's photos. And as DW is kind of gloating a little bit, but then all of a sudden, uh, Buster appears. He's you know uh, Arthur's like like f- <laughs> great line here. Um, uh, Arthur says like flying in a plane makes you a big man or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's I, that might be the highlight of the episode in terms of lines for this first one like that's just a fu- like that if you said that quote out loud i wouldn't guess it was from an arthur episode <laughs> uh and uh dw refers to him as bus stop buster kind of sneaks in when arthur's like how great can some old ruins be and he's like well actually they can be quite good and it's a great it's a nice reveal because we've only seen uh, Buster from the point of view of Arthur so far and this is the real return and it comes off as a nice surprise uh, so Arthur is very glad to see him and uh, Buster brings him back souvenirs like a little uh, statue of the Eiffel Tower and uh, a, a double decker bus which Arthur at this point starts to kind of uh, Arthur explain uh, <laughs> some of the facts about like the Eiffel Tower and like in England uh, a, a car is called a lorry and the trunk of a car is called a boot and Buster's like, uh, I guess so. His Arthur's info retention is excellent. Like he remembered all of this stuff. He memorized it basically over two hours, which is pretty impressive. 
I I mean I wish I had those memorization <laughs> me, skills. Me too. And then and then Buster's finally leading up to there was one thing that I really wanted to do, something really exciting. And Arthur keeps like throwing out potential things he could do, like to climb Mount Everest or uh one of my favorite lines, to walk the Great Wall of China, located in China. China. Uh but no, the most exciting thing that Buster wanted to do was play checkers with his old friend. And that was ca- that was the, like the whole conclusion to this episode is really cute. It's like how Buster did go around the world and he had a great deal of fun. He saw all these sights, but he really missed Arthur and all his friends and all he wanted to do was play checkers. And th- I mean that's pretty much how the episode ends. Like he was Buster himself was also afraid that everything would have changed while uh, he was gone. But he's uh, basically we know he's the, still the same old Buster. And I mean, the the checkers thing, uh, I guess it doesn't come out of nowhere because we've kind of seen Arthur and his family play checkers here and there. But it seems to really mean a lot to the both of them that maybe I wasn't aware of before. Yeah, like this, the, it, this ending borderlines on being over sentimental mm-hmm. because they really like they really uh, hit you over the head with, like, Buster is, like, giving this speech. He's like, all I wanted to do was play checkers with my old friend. And it's like, this could be too heavy-handed, but I think it works. I, I and, and maybe it's just because I'm extra susceptible to it because I just experienced a very similar uh, thing with my friend coming home. Uh, so I think it works. I do, I think it's I think it's earned because we have spent yeah. a season without Buster or at least most of one. That's definitely true. The fact that uh and we'll get into this with this next episode, uh. but the fact that we've actually experienced all these episodes without Buster uh like makes this payoff all worth it. Yeah, and like we feel like it's almost him coming back in our lives as much as he's coming back into our mm. lives. Uh yeah, and that's basically the end of the episode. Uh, now all right. No offense to a word from us kids, but I'm kind of glad we don't have to talk about one because we can just get into it. This is easily one of the most anticipated episodes that you and I have ever had to talk about. So here it is, finally, The Ballad of Buster Baxter. Uh, Lucas, this is another uh, episode where I'm going to kind of lean on you a little bit because I think that you have a bit more of a... uh, a deeper musical knowledge than I do. So for the, sure. for those who may not be aware, this episode, the whole hook of it is that it's uh, basically narrated by this moose, the singing moose, who is who is voiced by Art Garfunkel. Can you explain quickly who Art Garfunkel is? Well, he's one half of Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. Uh, people might know uh, Paul Simon, who probably was probably the most successful member of the group. Right. He was the Beyonce if Simon and Garfunkel was Destiny's Child. Yeah. But uh, uh, Art Garfunkel apparently had a solo career as well. Um, I'm trying to think, what are the big Simon and Garfunkel hits? Like Sound of Silence, Sound of Silence. Uh, The Boxer is a personal favorite song of mine. Uh, did, did they but did, did they do uh, here's to you Mrs. Robinson or was that somebody else? No, that's that's Paul Simon by okay. himself. See, there you I go. I think. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I like Simon and Garfunkel's music quite a bit. I like Paul Simon's music quite a bit. Never really de- took a deep dive in Art Garfunkel's solo career, but I will say, 
Um, I knew that he was the framing device for this episode, that he was basically narrating this whole episode with the song. What I didn't remember was the song was a certified slapper. Like, this episode starts right off the back with this, right off the bat with Art Garfunkel's, like, acoustic framing. Uh, and it's, like, good. It's, like, a good song. Yeah, here's, uh, so, obviously, the, the, the tune of the song that he's using, I mean, he uses different tunes, uh, for all of his interludes, but here's a, a here's a sample of what it sounds like. This is the story about the face on the cake. It belongs to Buster Baxter. Baby boy, Bunny Buster Baxter was born eight years ago. At first all he did was cry and eat and eat and eat and grow, eat and grow. That's all he did. It was an historic day. They always had lots of fun. They liked to read and play. Hey! Then one day, Buster found out he was gonna go. Gonna Goodbye. go. Bye bye. Goodbye, Arthur. He went around the world a couple of times. We thought he left the show. Buster Baxter went away, then he came back. I, like I agree with you. I think it. I think it sounded great. It's it's just a very simple acoustic melody. I think Art Garfunkel's a great singer, and it's totally it totally fits the mood of not just the episode, but kind of like what I expect from music from Arthur. Like it just sounded. It sounded like a natural fit. I also wonder if he's ever like made children's music before, because like it, a lot of the small like tunes in this episode sound like sort of like a lot of children's music. Uh, they enunciate in the singing a lot so you can understand what they're saying like yes you hear every word uh it's m almost more spoken than sung and then a lot of children's music is like story based where it's like oh the frog did this something did this like i listen to a lot of like they might be giants and their sort of songwriting style is similar in that it works well for like children's music. They've put out a bunch of children's albums as well as the regular mm. albums. So I wonder if Art Garfunkel has like put out a s album of children's acoustic songs because it sounds like this is a natural for him. Yeah, it can't be it can't be easy to uh, adapt your style that way. But Art Garfunkel does it very well. Even when I was a kid, you know, this song was memorable. It was easy to understand what was going on. Uh, it really works. And as an adult, it's just fun to listen to. Can't go through all the lyrics unfortunately we're not going to do this episode in song or anything but uh uh it it actually starts right at the beginning art garfunkel or, or the singing moose whatever you want to call him goes from like buster's birth to the moment where he met arthur and as a baby uh buster was hungry even back then you can see him like at the hospital eating like a fruit basket that somebody gave bitsy and my question is how did B baby buster eat fruit without any teeth like he's eating like that's right apples bananas all this stuff I'm pretty sure babies don't start on solid food for many, many, many months, uh, not right after birth. So the fact that Buster didn't choke is very impressive. The one respect in which Buster is very advanced. Uh, a great lyric here from, uh, from, from this first one. Buster went around the world a couple of times. We thought he left the show. <laughs> this is a very a very rare meta already moment. already a a sign of things to come in terms of the fourth wall yeah for sure this like the fourth wall takes a real beating in this episode uh but it uh, but it works and i th I thought it was really funny 
Uh, so it's Buster coming back with his dad on a plane to Elwood City, and he says, it's like I never left. And we actually pick up, uh, this is pretty rare for an Arthur episode, we pick up where the first story left off, so it's still Arthur and Buster playing checkers. Uh, I, th- I think it's pretty rare that we've continued mm. right from where one left off. And it's super effective, too. Like, this episode feels special because both these episodes lead into one another, I think. Like, I, I even remember that as a kid being like, oh, this is, like, an important episode because it's all about one thing. Almost like a made-for-TV movie or something. Like, have you ever watched a show, uh, like, I don't know, Justice League Unlimited? Yeah. Uh, and they would have, like, a one-hour, an hour-and-a-half special on television. It always felt like a big deal. Uh, this, not so much because it's still just 22 minutes, but it feels like a big deal because both stories lead into each other. Yeah, it's like a double episode almost. Yeah. Uh, so I forgot to mention in the first in the first story, uh, Arthur's dad is making a cake shaped like Buster's face. What what flavor of cake do you think that is? It's like kind of it looks it looks like just like a vanilla, vanilla cake. Yeah, to me. it's like vanilla cream on the top, but the inside looks like it might be chocolate. So it might be vanilla chocolate. I thought it also might could be carrot cake. Oh, as you know, I'm a staunch defender of the carrot cake. I believe it to be the best cake flavor. Yeah, you love your carrot uh, cake. And it would make sense it would make sense for Buster. Yeah, so uh maybe maybe so. Uh so as they're playing checkers, the brain comes in and uh, wants to continue his checker championship series with Arthur. Uh apparently since Buster's gone, they've been determined to play a best of 5000 games which they are currently tied at. And they have 70 games left to play. And they are both they have both won 2,465 games. Now, I'm no math genius, but, it, like, wouldn't they not have to play the full 70 to figure out who will win in the end? Like, eventually one of them could, unless they st- stayed, like, dead even or close to it until the very end, mm. one of them could pull ahead to a point where it was mathematically impossible for the other person to catch up within 70 games. Maybe that was the idea, but perhaps, maybe this is just, like, the Goku-Vegeta of checkers. Like, they just are far too close to each other's power level, and they keep tying it up or just getting one ahead, not ahead enough to get a real lead. Arthur does doesn't want to leave Buster out, and that's direct quote from the song, and thinks that they can play checkers together. And he tries to concoct a three-way version of checkers that confuses even the brain. So, like, that's right. Buster, Buster has yeah. some of the black pieces, some of the red pieces, uh, a gum wrapper, and the Monopoly shoe. Yeah, and it's like, and he goes in a completely like basically intercepts both sides. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's a it's a valiant try by Arthur. Also, uh, weird that they ne- mentioned Monopoly by name. I was shout out to the Monopoly shoe. Not my favorite uh, piece in the Monopoly. I usually go for the race car. Race car is a very is a very very popular one. Uh, I mean, that's what I was gonna say, and I'm just trying to think if I can remember the other ones. There's the thimble. There's the iron. There's the shoe. Uh, top hat. Is there a hat? I think there's a top hat. Yeah. Is there a dog? Am I? Is there a dog? Uh, if there was a dog, I would definitely pick that over the race car. Was there a ship at some point? I think there's a ship. Maybe. Uh, they changed it recently. Like, they took out the thimble. Really? Oh, that's too bad. But yeah, I guess they, were, like, replaced it with something new. I guess a thimble isn't as universal as it used to be. Uh, when, I was, when I was younger, I had Star Wars Monopoly, so my choice was always either Han Solo or uh, uh, Boba Fett. Uh, I would be, oh, let me think of, what's the stupidest Star Wars character I could think of? Uh, what's the guy that owns Anakin's name? Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, that, that what? Sorry? 
the guy that owns Anakin, like in Star Wars Episode oh, One. Uh, What's that guy's Watto. name? Yeah, it'd be Watto. That'd be my uh, very Monopoly esque Watto, a, a regular venture capitalist himself. Republic credits are no good. I need something more real. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Three-way checkers doesn't really work, and Buster is just content to watch their series because he's just glad to be back home. Uh, we get a transition to the <laughs> to Arthur and Bray in the treehouse thanks to Art Garfunkel. This is the next day. That's all I have to say. Hey. Oh, my goodness. Hey, if you have a problem with us singing, uh, get used to it because there's lots of songs to sing in this episode. Uh, so Brain and Arthur are in the treehouse where Buster finds them, and they're working on their own adventure story, which is a bit, which is something that we, uh, that we talked about in the episode in season two where Buster leaves. They are working on an adventure story, he and Arthur. So Arthur and Brain have kind of picked up the same kind of Robin Hood story. Although I gotta be honest. Brain's a pretty bad substitute for Buster. Like, the original one was very exciting and very imaginative, whereas Brain is very committed to it being imaginative a little, but more, uh, like, realistic. And, like, in the in the flashback, it's, like, the same scene that they did with them rescuing Pal, but uh, instead, uh, Brain Brain's character has, like, a formula that he concocted to make sure that the plan went off correctly, and it's like, yeah, this is, well, that's the Brain for you. Especially when you start hearing uh, the ideas Buster Pit pitches, where they're like riding on a brontosaurus and stuff, and then it's, and then it's just like no, they don't no, they don't ride on dinosaurs because pirates and dinosaurs didn't exist at the same time, and uh, what would they ride? Horses. Horses can't crush buildings; they can crush flowers. And it's just uh, Brain and Buster are definitely not going to be screenwriting partners anytime soon. Mm. Uh, the next day, uh, Buster finds. Uh, uh, runs into them at the movies. Uh, he sees a movie he wants to see called Carpet of Doom. Maybe a sequel to Deathbed, The Bed That Eats. <laughs> or uh, Evil Bong. Is that is that a movie? Uh, that's three movies, my good what? friend. Evil Bong, Evil Bong. Uh, I don't remember what the other ones are called, but that third one's called Evil Bong 3. Oh, for goodness sakes, Evil Bong. I mean, I know that there's, you know, every time I see it in the horror section on... Netflix. There's Halloween, so I know that that exists. Okay. Ooh, I have not heard of Halloween. Uh, okay, so evil. Is it like? Is it like how high? But but evil? Like I don't. I don't think I even want to know. Uh, okay, Evil Bong, 2006. Okay, this is way less recent than I thought it would be. That sounds like something that. And of course, it's <laughs> no. Tommy Chong extended cameo. Uh, okay. Two sequels: Evil Bong Two, King Bong. And Evil Bong 3D, The Wrath of Bong, and the crossover film oh. Ginger Dead Man vs. Evil Bong. Whoa! The series. I might have just peaked my levels there. I was so surprised <laughs> at the idea of Ginger Dead Man vs. Evil Bong. Uh, the series produced That's... a new installment in 2015 with Evil Bong 420. Ah! Uh, another in fall of 2016, Evil Bong High Five and Evil Bong 666 to be released this year. Here's a question. Well, is Gary Busey in Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong? Was is he? No, only in archive footage. He was the voice of the, he was the original voice of the Ginger Dead Man. 
Ah, I see. He, uh, no, he is not. I, I can only assume Gary Busey had anything else to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Buster really wants to see that, but he sees all his friends, and he assumes that they went to see Carpet of Doom without him. There's another movie playing at the time called Cresblane, which is based off the character Cresblane the Merry Magician. Uh, and Buster kind of laughs and just like, don't tell me you went to go see that, and Arthur kind of looks at the ground, and Buster's like, you always said you hated Cresblane. He's so he's so bleh. And then Arthur says, I used to kind of not like Cress Blaine, but then Francine loaned me all the tapes, and I caught Cresblamania. And, okay, so is Cresblamania the weirdest word that Art Garfunkel has ever sang in his life? Because he does, Cresblamania, it's insania. How could Arthur catch Cresblamania? This got me thinking about the writing process of this whole episode right. because, like, Art Garfunkel's songs aren't broad at all. They're referencing very specific elements of the plot. And so, like, did he – did the writers write the songs? Because if so, they have some songwriting chops. Or was he, like, very involved with the process of making this episode? Either way, I'm impressed by how uh, – it all works. It all fits together. Like, it feels very natural. Like, yeah, he's just singing about the things that are happening. It's like Cresblomania. I mean, Art Garfunkel is only um, credited as performing the songs, so maybe the writers came up with them. But I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. I was wondering, is there uh, a real-world analog, like, to Cressblane? Uh, so uh, it would be, it would be... I think it's David Blaine, right? You think so? David Blaine, Cress Blaine. David Blaine's Street Magic. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm just thinking, like, it also seems to be implied that it's, like, maybe for, like, for a, an age younger than them, because, uh, or maybe something, or maybe something that's, like, a, appropriate for an age eight, but also just kind of lame. So when I was a kid, I think I maybe thought it was, like, uh, like Barney or something like that. Mm. It, se- it seems like it's kind of kitty. It's, like, D- David Blaine is kind of more for a general, maybe adult audience, whereas Crestblane seems to be really kind of kitty. Maybe it's like the prestige and Crestblane has like a bunch of Crestblane clones <laughs> that he's got to drown. Oh man. And, and then Crestblane meets, uh, meets David Bowie as Nikolai Tesla. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, I'd love a Crestblane prestige. Arthur, Arthur and his friends have caught Crestblamania and Buster is definitely not on the ride with them. Uh, he walks away, and then this is where we get one of the many uh, pole vaults over conclusions that we get from Arthur's friends in this episode. Whereas, you know, they th- Muffy says he thinks he's so above Cresblane, and Francine says, <laughs> "I think, I think going away has turned him into an S N O B." So I think we found another another slur here to go along with baby. It's like to be called a baby or a snob is uh, one of the highest insults or the lowest insults in Arthurdom. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, it, the Arthur, they kind of talk about people being snobs very negatively in a couple episodes now. Uh, they This is prior to, like, the big popularity of the term hipster, but it seems like they're calling Buster a hipster, a snob, the same thing. Just someone who thinks they're too good for the common man's entertainment and... Uh, uh, it's it's just funny that that's like the thing they focus on like snob you, you don't want to be a baby and you don't want to be a snob somewhere in between is the sweet spot and uh they are discussing at lunchtime uh the next day how you know Buster's been to 
all these places. Like he probably did gross stuff like eating snails. So the cafeteria food's probably not good enough for him. Uh, Binky even offers like, does anybody want a peanut butter sandwich? And he says to Buster, you wouldn't like it. <laughs> There's a beat. So Binky's like, does anybody want a peanut butter and peanut butter sandwich? And it's just like, you wouldn't like it. No snails. And the line here from Art Garfunkel, life can be tough as nails when your friends think you're the guy who likes to eat snails. I mean, that, I, I suppose that's true. Uh, we get a little run here of, you know, Buster kind of just missing the boat on some of the stuff that Arthur and his friends have done. Like, uh, and, and I, oh my God. I actually, so, I really liked the callbacks here to season two. Like, it's like all the stuff that Buster wasn't there for, uh, he is completely out of step on. Like, uh, uh, square dancing, um, what, what else from season two? Oh, he like, fi so, he finds the key, uh, Mr. Morris's key. He sees their faces on the cookie bag. Uh, which they're still getting no money from, <laughs> by the way. Right. Sorry, what, what were you going to say? I'm just saying, like, when I was thinking about this episode, I remembered the Art Garfunkel framing device, and that's why I remembered it being, like, important. But I had no idea it was going to have such strong continuity with the rest of the season. Like, I loved this segment where uh, he finds the key, just like the we were talking about, and he's like, oh, my goodness, this could be the key to the city. And then Arthur just sort of shuts him down because he's like, no, that's Mr. Morris's key. Been there, done that. Uh, and he misses the cookies. Like, this epi this part of the episode is so effective in conveying, like, oh, everything in the Arthur universe has continuity, and Buster missed out on all of it, which is something that would have actually happened if you left. I just, like, it adds such a level of realism, and like I said, evoking that feeling of FOMO. Now the shoe's on the other foot, and Buster has the FOMO. Uh, for all the things that happened in Elwood City. And it also kind of rewards you for having watched it. Just like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And even even mm. as a kid, you're just like, oh, the, I remember that. It's like, it's not like an ep uh, an episode where, like, nothing matters. It's like, oh, this all this did matter, and it kind of added up to something. It's pretty, uh, a, almost a little sophisticated for, uh, for a kid's show. And I also like here how Buster uh, is shooting hoops with Sue Ellen and kind of talking to her about mm. uh, missing out on things by going... Uh, by traveling because of course she would know all about that she's been to many places uh i do like how um you know buster mentions that he went to to france and then or to paris excuse me and sue ellen says she only got to spend a day there and uh she but she you know spent time learning a bit of the language and everything like buster's like i didn't learn many words but i did watch tv which i thought was funny he goes to all these countries and just watches different language versions of of uh, Bionic Bunny, essentially. We see him in his hotel room, and he's watching La Pan Bionique. <laughs> uh, but Sue Ellen can't really relate to that because she doesn't watch much TV or Bionic Bunny. Uh, meanwhile, Buster's friends uh, Buster's friends are at their crest-playing club meeting, which is at Muffy's uh, clubhouse, which we've seen before. And Art Garfunkel, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that like, actually... All these... That made me laugh out loud of just, like, I didn't notice it at first. And then they cut to Brain on the couch, and Art Garfunkel is sitting next to him just eating a potato chip. And I'm like, oh, he's just here. Okay. Yeah, like, in all the other segments, he sort of popped up almost in front of the action, like... The episode we're watching is a diorama buff behind him or like a green screen. Yes. So he's sort of been out of universe or whatever framing the episode. But right here, Art Garfunkel is just like sitting on the couch eating next to Brain. Like he's just at the Crest Blade meeting. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Uh, so Arthur kind of uh, 
insists that, you know, Buster probably isn't a snob, but they should try and meet him halfway. So they throw a party for him uh, where they're going to watch his vacation slides uh, so that they can feel like they've all uh, had that experience that he's had. However, they realize that Buster isn't there. And they figure that he's just no-showed and that he really is a snob. Meanwhile, we cut to Buster, and he is just doing the old uh, depression watching TV, which I've definitely done myself before. He's just in front of the TV. He's got bags under his eyes, and he looks miserable. And this is probably maybe my favorite Art Garfunkel uh, thing of the episode where he oh, he, he, oh, classic. he has a song called Sad Bunny but it's a little bit too up-tempo and then Buster kind of looks at him and is just like hey that's not very sad music and then it just goes back to like an extreme close-up on Art Garfunkel's face and just he's a sad sad bunny <laughs> like he just turns down the tempo and it's really funny mm-hmm. again fourth wall taking some damage <laughs> in this episode yeah for real how did he get in Buster's house? We'll never know. And then finally, it's determined that just just through uh, everybody talking about it at Arthur's place, that nobody actually invited Buster in the first place. They all just assumed that they uh, that that somebody else had done it. Brain has a line of like, through elementary deduction, I have determined that nobody has invited Buster to this party. And it zooms in on Binky, and he's just like, you think that's why he's not here? <laughs> yeah, it's like a pull zoom, like the camera. Uh, uh, it's like a uh, a vertigo zoom or something, where the camera like goes closer to Binky <laughs> as Binky goes closer to the camera, and he's like, "You think that's why no, he's not here?" Yeah, it's great. Uh, so finally, they uh, they go over to Buster's house and officially invite him. And the end of the episode is them watching Buster's vacation slides, which look look pretty cool. It's him basically at a bunch of. Uh, locations and monuments, and there's even him with a penguin. Even though in the one with him and the penguin, it's like upside down because he's like in the Antarctic or the Arctic. I forget which one's on the South Pole. Uh, but they like took the picture upside down as a gag, like, oh, he's at the South Pole. But someone exclaims, oh, that's so cool, which it's like, I mean, I guess it's cool he met a penguin, but uh, turning the picture upside down is not that cool. That's why it was upside down. I never got that. Yeah, that's the joke. He's at the because penguins are only at the South Pole. Polar bears are at the North Pole. Because if polar bears were hanging out with penguins like in the Coca Cola commercials, they would eat them all. Right. <laughs> Buster, of course, <laughs> proves that he is just the same old Buster by eating a whole bowl of popcorn himself. And he and I should have written down the line, but uh, he says, "I'm glad you guys are the same. I thought that you were for a while. I thought you were." Um, Gosh, what was it? It's like I thought aliens. It was like replaced by aliens specifically like, to make me miserable. Yeah, does I thought aliens replaced you with like cyborg twins who were programmed to make me miserable? And everybody's like, <laughs> he's the same old Buster. And we get the final uh, couple of songs from Art Garfunkel to take us out. But this is kind of the stinger of the episode where he's outside the Reed House where they're watching the slides, and Arthur and Buster run over to the window, and Buster asks. So how long has this singing moose been in here? And he's like, what? I thought he came with you. And then uh, Art Garfunkel sings the Ballad of Buster Baxter as he walks away. And Buster's like, that's weird. And and (laughs) Arthur's just like, Mom, there's a singing moose in front of the house. So how much of it is in canon? How much was he there? Was he not? I guess we'll never know. But it's a funny way. It's a funny way to end off the episode. Oh, it's genius! Cause like, how often do I mean? I guess it happens more often now that 
kids shows will break the fourth wall and kind of play with framing devices like that but i just thought this was so clever and funny at the time of like oh they can see art Gar- they've been able to see art garfuckle the whole time and they're like who brought him yeah and they're just surprisingly cool with it until they're just like uh so <laughs> how long has he been here <laughs> okay so well let's talk about it a little bit more in depth let's go back to buster's back what'd you think lucas it's hard to talk about these episodes separately because they're so tied together. Um, I, you know, I have nothing but positive things to say about Buster's back. Again, uh, my judgment might be clouded by art imitating life, but I really enjoyed the episode. I thought it had funny moments. I thought it had really sentimental moments, and I think it's a perfect re-entry for Buster back into the series. Mm-hmm. Things I didn't so much like about it is I could do without some of the racist caricatures. Uh, and also, I think it borders the line on being a little heavy-handed in the end but i do think it earns it so overall buster's back i think these episodes tied together buster's back and the ballad of buster baxter uh both these episodes together are better than any single episode in season two so far so a grand re-entering into the series for season three big time okay so my my feet my feelings on one are going to kind of lead into the other so buster's back i thought was was good i thought it was absolutely a good episode uh like you said it's it's funny it's got some great moments i thought it was awesome to see arthur so excited and it made buster's return feel like a big thing even watching it you know as a in my in my 20s as an adult um yeah, I, I agree that the that the ending did get a little bit overly sentimental, and normally I'm the one who's like, you know, watching the episode being like, oh, I miss my like I miss my childhood, but it's like, yeah, it did it did go on a little bit too long, so I'll agree with you there. I, I did I did like kind of the imaginations. Yeah, the some of the some of the you know cultural stuff was a little hinky, so uh, I I won't I won't deny that. But I thought you know there was a lot of imaginative stuff in here. I thought it was a a problem the kids and even me I can relate to. I, th- I thought there was a great deal of things that are relatable no matter what age you're at, and so I thought it was a very strong episode. And I I agree with you that these two as a package deal are a, like a, a real slam dunk, a real one two punch. That said, the Ballad of Buster Baxter is hands down one of the greatest Arthur episodes ever made. Maybe oh, may, yeah. maybe the greatest, but we'll maybe we'll have to talk <laughs> about that someday. But it's in the running. My God, like, I, 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 I can't imagine how this episode could be any better. Just the sheer idea of how memorable it is even years later. You know, as soon as we saw the Ballad of Bucks, Buster Baxter all those weeks ago, and we're like, oh, I know exactly what that one is. Mm, uh, mm. And just the idea of, like, let's get a, like, you know, Art Garfunkel is kind of more of a thing for the parents, basically, of like, oh, I know who that is. But just getting the idea of this this popular singer to do all of these uh these cheeky but also heartfelt sincere and very catchy uh songs to it that's all you need to make this episode so incredibly memorable and add to that the fact i think the animation is great in this episode uh in in the ballad of buster baxter uh i think it's funny i think that it i mean the only slight problem i have with it is that i think that Arthur's friends really jump to conclusions, like they, the the conflict of Surprise. it. Surprise! Yeah, the conflict of it seems a little forced, but I mean, by this point, it's almost par for the course that they are that these are just kind of the people that they are. So I'm willing to overlook it. Um, I thought the visual gags were very good, uh, and I thought it was very relatable. I I just I almost have nothing bad to say about this episode. It's great. 
Yeah, I agree with you 110%. This is definitely my favorite episode of Arthur we've watched so far, mm -hmm. like, without a doubt. But the thing is, I remembered the singing, I remembered the framing device of Art Garfunkel and the fourth wall breaking. Those are all things I remembered about this episode. But I think what truly makes this episode great, especially for us having watched all these episodes in sequential order, is the continuity. Uh, the attention to detail in referencing everything from season two and Buster sort of feeling left out about that... I thought was so effective in one evoking how Buster felt and that feeling of missing out on like your friend's summer, but two like making Arthur feel like a lived in world, like making all the characters yeah. and experiences feel all more realistic. It just adds so much weight to the events of everything going on. So I think that's what the singing and the fourth wall breaking, that's what's going to make you remember this episode, but watching it back, which make what makes this episode truly special is its attention to detail and continuity. You're absolutely right. That's a good point. Is that it's not just it's not just memorable, but it's also it has a solid grounding as well that just makes it work. And I mean, what a, what a note to start season three off on. I know oh I, I, I know that we were kind of in the end a little bit negative on season two, which I which I know that some people didn't didn't agree with us on. But I can't think of a like I'm so jazzed about this season and just looking looking ahead at the episode list. I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, you know, we're, we'll just take that episode by episode. But some of the stuff in here, I've been waiting to talk about for a long time, <laughs> and I'm so glad that. And and it also kind of, I've been waiting for Arthur to kind of get, uh, for for lack of a better term, like get goofy a little bit. And this is kind of a step in the right direction of like, not that it's you know super silly or anything to have Art Garfunkel here, but it's just off the wall enough that it makes it that it makes it easy to remember and it makes it all the more fun to watch like i could i could watch this episode again and again i'm i i, I don't want to commit necessarily to it saying that the ballad of buster baxter is my favorite yet but at the same time i can't think of one that i really love more than this episode so maybe that might be true for me too I'll also say this is one my parents reference all the time, <laughs> specifically the the sad, sad bunny song and the very ending of the episode where they say, Mom, there's a singing moose in front of the house. See, it's a it's a it's a it's a cultural touchstone across generations. So there you have it, the first episode of Arthur and Elwood City Limits Season 3. We can't be more excited to keep going on this journey, and thank you for joining us along with it. Uh, so, if you'd like to get involved, what did you think of Season 3? Do you know who Art Garfunkel is? Uh, you, can, uh, you can reach out to us on the internet. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Oh, before I forget, speaking of Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, I want to say a big thank you for a recent five-star review that we got over there. Really appreciate everybody who's done that and who and who continue to reach out to us uh, through private messages over there. Uh, reviews, I'm just bringing it up right now. want to make sure I don't forget. And that review is from most recent, sorry. Okay, Rohan Viss. Thank you very much, Rohan, for that uh, five-star review. Really appreciate it. And thank you for the message as well. On Twitter, we are at ECL Podcast. On Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. Thanks, everyone, for the messages and whatnot. Uh, on the, through email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. We'll read your email on the show. We'd love to hear from you. And finally, you can find us through uh, the Google Play Store, where we would appreciate a rating and review. 
Apple Podcasts, same goes over there, and elwoodcitylimits.libson.com, where you can find all of the past episodes on the World Wide Web. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. Finally, uh, be on the lookout in December. We are going to be in December very soon, and coming up, I'm just going to check here what the date is on December the 1st. That is next. Oh, perfect. December 1st is next Friday. So next Friday, fingers crossed, hopefully, with our uh, busy schedules. We'll be able to get you another episode of the show, but we'll also be releasing the commentary for Arthur's Perfect Christmas. I've got it edited and ready to go. It sounds great, and it's perfect for your holiday watching. That will begin very soon. I'll give you all the details when it comes out next Friday, but be on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, very excited to continue on into season three. Lucas, next time you and I talk, it's going to be about uh, the next episode, episode two in season three, it's DW All Fired Up, and I'd rather read it myself. So it's a double dose of DW. Huh. I have no idea what those episodes are. So uh, interesting. Going in cold. Perfect. Okay, Elwood City Limits is back once again, and we thank you for joining us. Hope that you have a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, by the time we talk to you next, it'll be into December. It'll be time to break out those Advent calendars. Uh, Lucas, it's been a while since we've had your final thoughts. What? I thought he came with you. (laughs) All right. For Lucas Mancini, my name is Will Young. We'll see you next time. Season 3 of Arthur continues on Elwood City Limits.